You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again at OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in today. Show number 72 today is going to be all about adjustment triggers. Now, one of the things that we often get a lot of questions on is how do I adjust my positions? Or more specifically, how do I know when to adjust positions? Because let's be honest, it's not as black and white as we all might think it is. There's a lot of different ways to adjust positions. And we often talk about being more patient than not patient and, you know, not being as aggressive in some cases and being really aggressive in other cases. And so in today's show, I really want to try to lay the groundwork for how you can basically set some triggers in advance in your trading platform and in your system that you're developing for trading options to unemotionally adjust trades that don't go your way and develop a framework or a process that can help give you clear guidelines on how to and when to adjust positions. Now, the first thing that I'll definitely say here as we get started is that you first have to remember two things about making adjustments to current positions. The first point that I want to make, even before I get into kind of like the rules and adjustment triggers, is that most of your attention as a trader should be on the trade entry. So most of your focus, your research, your analysis should be on trade entry, meaning am I using the right strategy? Am I setting it up for a high probability of success? Am I checking my position size? Like those are the things that are really, really important. It is more important to get that stuff right, meaning the trade entry, than it will ever be. So hear me out on this clearly. Than it will ever be to get trade adjustments right. And so what I often see is that people will enter really bad trades and then try as much as possible to adjust them and they'll really ad- aggressively adjust them. But the reality is, is that it's just a bad trade. So a bad entry will not be saved or turned around by adjusting if it's still a bad entry, right? Like I was trying to talk to my wife earlier about like coming up with an example about this, but like if you want to go to the gym and you want to be healthy, and I use this analogy all the time because I think it's really relevant, but if you want to be healthy, you want to be fit, you want to lose weight, whatever, you can't just adjust your eating habits, right? Like that's a slight tweak. You replace ice cream with an apple, whatever, okay? I love ice cream, so I would never do that. Apples are way worse than ice cream in my case. But if you wanted to adjust your eating habits, you'd replace ice cream with apples. You make a small, slight tweak. But if you're not doing the big things first, like going to the gym, like working out, like running, like exercising, you know, doing all that stuff on a consistent basis, it doesn't matter how many times you replace apples with, you know, ice cream with apples, it's just not going to work out. And so I don't know, maybe that was a good analogy, maybe it wasn't, whatever the case is, I think you get my point. Most of the emphasis is on trade entry. The second point I want to make before we get into these adjustment triggers is that you have to realize that your adjustments are 100% focused on reducing risk first versus increasing your profits. 
I see way, way, way too many people out there that are trying to adjust trades to make more money, not having the mindset going into it that, okay, I've got to stop the bleeding before I save the patient, to use like a doctor analogy. But like you can't save somebody who is dying unless you first stop the bleeding. You got to stop the bleeding. You got to reduce the risk first. So all of these adjustments that you're going to be doing, please remember that the goal of the adjustment is to lose less money. As crazy as it sounds, yes, it might be great to end up turning the trade around and making it a winner. And we've got case study after case study after case study on how we've done that. But that's not the goal that we have going into it. The goal we have going into it is stop the bleeding, reduce the risk, to take a trade that's going to lose $500 and cut the loss to $300, to take a trade that could lose $2,000 and cut the loss to $800. That, to me, is what I believe to be a successful trader that knows how to adjust uh, position. So let's go over these kind of adjustment triggers. Now, I think there's three main adjustment triggers that we're going to cover today, and I'll go over them in order of what I believe they should be, okay, or the way that I think about them when making adjustments. And I, I think there's a specific reason why I have these in the, the one, two, three order. And again, it's not, it's in a specific thought process and methodology that I have, and I'll explain it as we get through here, okay? So the first adjustment trigger, or the way that you can do this and be totally unemotional about it, and what I honestly believe to be the best way to make adjustments to trades is to use what I call the doubling of risk rule, okay? So air fingers quotes, the doubling of risk rule when you make adjustments. What does this mean? This means that if you have a short strangle, which is just a short call and a short put out of the money, and your initial entry is at the 70% probability of success level, which means that each side is basically placed at the 15 delta. So each side, the put side and the call side are each respectively placed at about the 15 delta or 15% probability of being in the money. That is my initial trade. That's my initial setup. And to be frankly honest, most of you who are pro members and elite members know that that's pretty much how we place most of our trades, about the 70% probability of success level. That's kind of where we live. That's our home. And so with the doubling of risk rule, what happens is is that you would only make an adjustment or consider making an adjustment if one side has risk that doubles. So if the probability of losing doubles from 15% to 30% on either side, the put side or the call side, then and only then would we consider making an adjustment. So in my example, I would set up an alert and you can do this in most broker platforms. We've got video training on this that we'll link up to in the show notes page, optionalpha.com slash show 72 is the show notes page. But you can set up alerts to let you know via email if one of your strikes has doubled in Delta. So we'll set up an alert often that says, okay, if we have our initial short strikes at the 15 Delta, email me when the Delta of either side goes to 0.3 or negative 0.3 on the put side. So let me know, hey, you've got a doubling of risk. One side has now doubled the probability of being in the money. It's still a 30% chance but it's now a doubling of risk, and so therefore it might alert us or trigger us to make an adjustment. You could then take this a step further, and then I'll back up and talk a little bit more about why I think this is an important way to do it. You could take it a step further, and so let's say you make that first adjustment when your delta goes from 15 to 30. So now you make the adjustment to the trade, you roll up or you roll down the untested side, the opposite side, and you move it closer. You reset the probabilities on that side. 
Now what you wanna do is you wanna use the same doubling of risk rule in case the stock continues to go against you. So the delta on your short strike went from 15 to 30. Now let's say it's gonna double again and it goes to 60. So you could use that same logic for the next adjustment. So now if the stock basically goes in the money, breaches your short strike by a little bit and then goes to a 60 delta, so it's a little bit in the money now, now that might trigger you to make one last adjustment to this trade, okay? You can see how unemotional it is. It has nothing to do with what your thought process is on the stock, whether you think it's gonna go higher or you think it's gonna go lower. All that it has to do with is basically the fact that your risk has doubled twice on one side. So you're gonna use that as your trigger point for moving in the other side or adjusting in the other side as we commonly do in all of our video training on how to make adjustments, okay? Now, why do I use the doubling of risk rule and why do I prefer to use the 15 delta that goes to 30 and then it goes to 60, et cetera? Is because delta is not subjective just to stock price movements. Remember, the delta is basically a substitute for your probability of losing. And so when you use delta as your trigger point for making adjustments, you naturally factor in time decay and the amount of time until expiration, volatility, all of these other things that make up a systematic options trading system. When you use something else like what we're going to talk about is adjustment triggers two and three, which has more to do with stock price versus short strike location, long strike location, you don't naturally factor in the time until expiration or the volatility level or all of that stuff. So by using delta just in and of itself, you always combine these external factors, these extrinsic factors in option pricing that can help make sure that you're not over adjusting too early or under adjusting too late. And that's why I like to use it because it's a level consistent playing field across all different types of stocks and all different types of ETFs. Okay, so hopefully that makes sense. Again, why I believe the doubling of risk rule can apply. Now, look, you can apply this in many different ways. If you, you know, set your trades up and you start each trade with a 10 delta on each side, so an 80% chance of success. Okay, great. Use the 20 delta as your first set of triggers for adjustments and then 40 as your next set of triggers for adjustments, okay? But I wouldn't then use 80 as the next one, right? You could probably only adjust it, you know, one or two times before you really start, you know, probably the trade's just gonna be a loser. But that's what I end up doing is, is setting this doubling of risk rule and then kind of using it twice throughout the process. Now, trigger number two is gonna be the breach of the short strike. So if you don't wanna use doubling of risk rule, and use those deltas, then you would just simply make an adjustment anytime that your short strike gets breached. So let's say that the stock is trading for $100, you sold the 105 calls and the 95 puts to create a strangle. Anytime that either the 105 calls or the 95 puts are breached, meaning the stock goes beyond those levels, then you would make an adjustment. You would roll in your call side or roll in your put side and reset it to the new 15 delta probability on each side. So that's one way to do it too. That is more based off of the stock price than it is the delta, the probabilities, time decay, time until expiration. So you can see how naturally it could cause you to make an adjustment a day before expiration, if you really followed this strategy, it could cause you to make an adjustment the day before expiration when maybe you don't need to make an adjustment. 
or it could cause you to make an adjustment really early in the expiration cycle when, again, maybe you don't need to make an adjustment so early in the expiration cycle. But that's one way that you can do it. It's number two is a breach of the short strike. If you're trading credit spreads or any defined risk strategies, the third way that you can do it is to use a breach of the long strike. So let's say, again, the stock's trading for $100. You sell the 105-110 credit call spread. So you're short the 105 call, you're long the 110 call. In this case, you would only adjust the trade if it really goes against you against that long strike. So like really, really far out of the money. Again, I think it's less favorable because it takes a while to adjust the position. And you really are going to let the trade really go against you before you start to make any type of adjustment to the strategy. And so I don't favor this. I think I favor this least because you basically are waiting till the thing's basically dead, till the trade's basically dead before you make an adjustment. And by that time, there might not be even enough premium or credit to take in when you make that adjustment. So it might be all for nothing to get to that point. But look, a lot of people use that. I've got, I'm not going to say you can use one or the other. I think you should use number one, but I just wanted to present these three kind of main ways that you can use adjustment triggers. Now, here's the thing that you have to realize about all of this stuff that we just talked about. Even if you use the doubling of risk rule or the breach of the short strike or the breach of the long strike, you have to ask yourself, and please be a little bit rational and methodical about doing this. Ask yourself if it's worth it to still make the adjustment, okay? I don't want you just to go out there and say, oh, Kirk said as soon as it gets from the 15 delta to the 30 delta, I have to make the adjustment. You can look at making the adjustment, but you have to ask yourself if it's worth it. So for example, if adjusting the trade brings in an extra $5, literally $5, not five option dollars, which is $500 of notional value, but literally five bucks a premium, is it really worth it to adjust it and move in one side of the trade just to get an extra $5 before commissions? Probably not. But look, I see people doing this all the time. They adjust for the sake of adjusting, but then they don't rationally look at it and say, okay, yeah, even though I should adjust, it really doesn't make sense to even do that. We often talk about this, uh, use example with XLF. XLF is the uh, financials ETF for the spiders. And right now it's a $19 security. And so it's like 19 and a half at the time we're doing this video. And so the strike prices on XLF are 19, 20, 21, 18, really, really far apart. So adjusting from the 18 to the 19 is a $1 adjustment. It would bring in right now, if you were to roll in the 18 to the 19, just assuming you needed to do that, you'd bring in $6, right? So is it worth taking more risk for $6 of potential credit? Probably not, right? I mean, you just might have to deal with the position and kind of live with the position and you know move on to the next one. So please ask yourself, is it worth it, right? Do I think as like a barrier, because I know probably people ask this, like as a barrier, I think, you know, really you should be taking in, you know, a pretty decent credit, maybe $20, $30 in some cases. If you're doing spreads, maybe you take in, you know, $15, you know, $18 as far as like a bare, bare, bare minimum, at least enough to cover the premium in the position if you need to do that. Now, for those of you who are iron condor traders and credit spread traders trading in an IRA or retirement account, you'll want to move in the whole spread. So I often get the question with adjustments, you know, hey, if I reach these adjustment triggers, what do I do? Do I do move just my short strike or do I move the whole spread? You ideally want to move the whole spread. And the reason you want to do that is because you don't want to take on any more risk. If you just move in the short strike, you're going to leave that long strike out there. And now you're going to widen out the spread on one side of your payoff diagram. And what that's going to do is increase the margin requirement. So again, the whole idea with adjustments 
is to reduce risk first. So you want to move the whole spread. So that means you'll close the further out spread. You'll sell the complete new spread a little bit closer in. Yes, it might create a little bit more work for you to close one side, then reopen the other one. But that's what you should be doing so that you reduce risk. If you are trading at the money strategies like a straddle or an iron butterfly, because again, I know people will probably ask this question, so I want to head it off right here. If you're trading at the money strategies like a straddle or an iron butterfly, you want to be way more patient with adjustments than if you are trading something further out and that's more undefined. So you want to leave the position on to go a little bit longer Since you already are at the money, you want to try as much as possible not to go inverted and really try to manage that position early. And you're really going to make more of your money on those types of trades, the straddles and the iron butterflies, in just closing the trade out early, managing it early, like we talked about in show number 71, like the profitability gets dramatically higher when you close out the trade and manage it early. That's what you really want to focus on on those straddles and iron butterflies. Now, if you do have to go inverted, so let's say the stock really starts moving against you, really starts moving outside of your you know expected range, the key with going inverted is that you try not to go inverted by more than the total credit that you've taken in. Okay, so I'll say that again. You don't want to go inverted by more than the total credit that you've taken in. So what I mean by going inverted is that let's say you sell a 100 call and a 100 put to start off. You've sold the at the money straddle at 100. You've got the short 100 call, the short 100 put. If you go inverted, let's say the stock continues to move higher, you would move up your put to the 105. That 105 is now higher than your short call at 100. Now, here's what people don't understand about that is that when you go inverted, the minimum, the minimum that that spread can be bought back for is the width of the inverted strikes, because now you're going to be forced basically to sell stock at 100 and buy it back at 105. So the difference is $5. That's the minimum value for an inverted spread is the width between the inverted strikes. So when you go inverted, you really have to be cognizant of the total credit that you've taken in and make sure that you don't go inverted by more than that credit. So let's use the example that we just had. Let's say that on the initial trade that we had in that 100 strike straddle, we took in a credit of $6. Well, it's okay if we go inverted by $5 because we've got a $6 credit. We can still buy the spread back for $5 and potentially have a $1 profit on our hands. But if we went inverted by $7, and our credit that we had taken in up to that point was only $6, then we're guaranteed to lose at least a dollar because the minimum that that $7 inverted spread is gonna trade for is $7. So we're gonna be paying out at least $7, maybe more, and we've only taken in $6 of credit. Okay, so again, to say it again, just to really, really drive it in here, going inverted. Try not to go inverted by more than the total credit that you've taken in. So if you've taken in a credit of $3, great. Try not to go inverted by more than $3. If you've taken in a credit of $5, don't go more than inverted than $5, okay? So you can adjust those positions. You want to be slower to do it for sure. But if you do go inverted and you do start to adjust those to take in more credit, make sure you don't go inverted by more than that total credit. 
Okay. Now we talked a lot about rolling in show number 70. So if you're curious to know, okay, well, what do we do and how do we roll? And when do we do rolling? Check out show number seven. We talked about all about how to manage your trades during expiration week. And then if you also are curious about managing trades early and you haven't quite listened to the show before this, which has been really popular, show number 71 about the two major misconceptions about exiting option trades early, you have to listen to that show. It might dramatically change the trajectory of how your portfolio grows and the income you make going forward. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now. Trades we're making and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, I want to get to a new position that we're getting into here in TLT. Now, ironically enough, this is a stock that we back tested or an ETF that we back tested in show number 71. We back tested this extensively. It's a bond ETF. We know this really well inside and out. And in today's Closing bell segment, I want to talk about a new iron condor trade that we're going to get into for this position in December. Now, the good thing about TLT is that it's pretty liquid. Although we've actually tried to get in this position pretty much all of last week, uh, we you know really didn't hit our entry point as far as like the credit that we were trying to take in. Finally got into that today and uh, had a good little fill to start building out our position in December for TLT again at the time that we're recording this video. So with TLT right now, the stock has been uh, pretty much on a little bit of a downward move as we get closer to expiration November and December. Stock's trading right now about 130 and a half or so. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sell the 70% probability of success iron condor. That means we're going to go out to the 15 delta on each side, and that's going to be basically where we place our short strikes. In the case of TLT right now, we're going to go up to the 136 call options. They have about the 15 delta. And then down to the 125 put options, they also have about a 15 delta. And then we're going to buy options at 139 on the call side and 122 on the put side. So three strikes out from our short strikes. So again, if you think about it logically, our inside legs closer to where the stock is trading is 136 and 125. And then we went $3 out on either side, an even distance out on either side, and bought those long legs for protection to create an iron condor. So this gives us basically a $3 wide spread on each side. And overall, we're taking in a credit of about $71 for each of these iron condors that we're selling. We're selling a set of three right now. We'll do another set of three here in the next week and maybe another set of three as we get closer to December expiration, just continuing to ladder or stack these positions as we go forward. Now, as we talked about in today's show, what we're going to do is we're going to set up adjustment triggers for just our short strikes. So our short strikes were 136 call and 125 put. Those are each set at the 15% probability level. So I will set up adjustment triggers to let me know if either of those short strikes has a doubling of risk up to a 30 delta. And if it does, I'll get an email alert that says, hey, your TLT iron condor 136 call or 125 put had a doubling of risk and now I'll go in and start thinking about making an adjustment, start analyzing, okay, what if I move down the call side or what if I moved up the put side? And that's really the whole idea here is just continuing to use those unemotional systematic adjustment triggers as you keep going forward. So hopefully this is a really clear example because we not only got into a really good trade today in TLT, but we also start setting up some of these adjustment triggers and kind of bring some context around how we you know, basically set ourselves up for success here with trades at the order entry 
and then let the system, let the market tell us if we need to do anything versus just emotionally looking at the stock and looking at bonds and wondering what the Fed's going to do or what the end of the year might bring. None of that's involved. You got to be systematic and mechanical and methodical about how you go about making trades and adjusting trades with these new triggers. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so as always, I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter more profitable trader investor. As always, you can get additional resources and some links that we talked about in the show, as well as some related video training on adjustments, how we do adjustments, adjustment techniques for all types of different strategies, all in the show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 72. Again, that's just the number 72, optionalpha.com slash show 72. And again, if you enjoyed today's show, please consider writing a review in iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to the show. We have way too many downloads and not enough five-star reviews for the show. So it's one of the ways that you can really, really help us out is by taking just two minutes and writing a review for our podcast. Until next time, happy trading.